This is a Life School podcast episode number 175, and today we're going to talk about using gospel motivation to lead your church, small group, or family toward a life on mission with God and what happens when you don't. Welcome to the Life School Podcast, where each week you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. This is the stuff that your parents, teachers, and pastors forgot to tell you. I'm Heath Hollinsby, here with your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, Heath, how's the father of many doing today? <laughs> I'm doing okay, man. How are you? <laughs> Good, man. You're like the hardest working man in in rock and roll ministry, but business. you are a rocketeer. So. I am a rocketeer. If you, uh, <laughs> you're not familiar with that, you got to go back and listen to. To 171. Um. <laughs> You're the rocketeer. Yeah, no, you, you work too many hours, I think, my friend. You, are a, you are a dedicated servant and father. <laughs> so. It's a good life, man. It's a good life we're living. How do you keep all that stuff moving the same direction, and how do you... How, I, we're mo- going to talk about motivation today. How do you it's motivate... motivation, Caesar. <laughs> no. How do you possibly keep everybody moving on the same... Because, I mean, you have a basketball team at home. So. I do. All four of the kids. I just... I love... Um, uh, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about idolatry, and, and that's something I've questioned a lot. Like, am I constantly working so hard because there's something I'm I'm, I'm seeking other than God's approval? Or yeah. is it just because that's how I'm wired? Like, God made me, like, a high capacity. I can get a lot of stuff done, and I enjoy it. So, But I, I need to learn to pump the brakes a little bit here, here and there. Today we're going to talk about how to motivate others. Okay, I guess we always talk about ourselves, too. But, like, how do we, how do we motivate others rightly? towards the mission because like when i when i was first starting to build missional communities and plant churches this way and help people find life and community and come to faith that way we weren't always rightly motivating people there mm. was a lot of like see what we're doing yep you know and back in those days it was jeff Bannerstelt and i you yeah. know leading primarily and it was and others but it was like see what we're doing that's what you should do yeah and and you know it wasn't maybe that cocky something but <laughs> but the, the motivation was sort of like we're supposed to you know jesus yeah. died for us this is what you do if you're a christian right and this is you're supposed to and it wasn't the gospel motivating our heart sure and we started realizing hmm that leads to burnout and that that doesn't lead to growth that doesn't lead to multiplication and so um Here's what I, you, you and I talked about, like, we got to talk about gospel motivation. Yeah. And um, so I'm thinking through it. I'm kind of making some notes. I pulled up some notes because I've given a talk on this yeah. around the world, actually. And then I, I, I hit upon one of the teachings that I did and a really good recording of it. And I was like, I don't think I could say it that well anymore. <laughs> like, God must have been on me that day. You know? sure. like, like, it was really clean and clear. And so we talked about like, I'm going to share that. Let's just share some of that recording as part of it. Cause I know it's a difference if we re-record it or I say it then, but yeah, um, yeah, I mean, you you know, if you're listening out there, you'll hear a little slight difference in audio because we're on big mics now and I'm on stage doing this one, but um, it is really good on like, how do we, how do we come to a place of even understanding? Like, how do we rightly motivate Hmm. ourselves and others towards life? on mission, life with God, a lifestyle of discipleship. Yeah. And so I'm giving this message, just so everybody knows, um, a few years back, okay, okay um, I'm, st- I'm still working, like, quote unquote, working with SOMA, you know, mm-hmm. like on staff there. I'm traveling around at this time and I'm helping plant churches and I'm, that's sure. why I'm teaching this, okay? Um, and um, 
and Soma is a family of churches that mm-hmm. lives like missional community lives and plants that way and multiplies yeah. those communities. Okay, so I'm doing that. So I'm speaking to a, a room of leaders and church planners, but I don't want people to check out if that's not who you are. Sure. Because I, you know, going back and reviewing this, I was like, wow, this is everybody is going to love this if you care about discipleship at all or living on mission. Because I know I still the hardest thing I find is how do I motivate others yeah. to consistently live this way without using shame. Or, you know, self-righteousness. If you're not using gospel, you're going to use manipulation tactics, right? Exactly. So that's, the fuel. That, that's what that's we're going to do. And um, let's, 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 let's do that. And, okay. um, and then we'll come back, you know. We'll still we'll, do the big three. We'll come back, yep. give some thoughts and feedback on that. And, and yeah. Well, let's go ahead to that teaching. And we are going to learn what it does take to rightly motivate people with the gospel into both discipleship and a life on mission. So let's listen in. What we're finding is, is that to consistently motivate people for the mission, that just using the stick of should, or why wouldn't you, or you could, or shame, or whatever, is not a good long-term motivator. It really, there needs to be a gospel-centered motivation to helping our people either get on mission, or even really stay on mission. Because, you know, Scripture talks about the beast, the world system, it is pushing against this. It's pushing against us. It is, trying, it is tearing down and throwing up lots of roadblocks that we've gotten used to or that we're weary of or that we've even erected sometimes as the church. And, and we, need, we do need to be motivated. I, I need consistent motivation. And so I want to talk a little bit about how do, we, how do we move to gospel motivation with our people, not just more head knowledge or not just more classwork or not just a better small group or missional community structure, but how are we going to motivate them in the everyday? I think what I want to suggest is it's going to start with what you love. You have to motivate what you love, what they love, what you love. I'm not sure if it was Twain or who it was that said, if you want to teach somebody how to build a boat, first give them a love for the sea. Because if they love the sea, they will look out there and go like, I have to figure out how to build a boat. <laughs> I will figure out how to build a boat. If, if, our folks, if our folks are not in love with God and not in love with Christ deeply and are not loving the things that he loves and died for, they really will not be that motivated to be out making disciples to make disciples. They won't be motivated for the mission. That's the mission, right? Now, we, we do a heart check with that because I'll be honest with you, there again, I'm pretty pragmatic. And often I am way more focused on tightening up this broken system in Soma or getting this new thing launched or getting these set of missional communities shored up over here or getting a key leader plugged in over there and I lose my first love, I lose the love of Christ, and that's for people who were created in his image to show the world what he's like who aren't or not to the degree that God intends. And they need Christ, and they need the power of the gospel to transform them and send them out on that same, same trajectory. What you love is going to be the, it's going to be a huge primary motivator. So if, if, if you see, and I know when we ever feel like the temperature is turned down and we're not seeing a lot of conversions, we're not seeing people start to walk in the ways of Christ, we ask ourselves, how are we doing? How's our love temperature? Are we motivating our people 
to really love God and love Christ and love what he died for. I, I love the story in Scripture with Abraham and Isaac, right? If you know the story of Abraham, you've got, uh, you've got a descendant of a bunch of moon worshipers who's out doing what he's doing. If you know the full story of Abraham, he's not that great of a guy. He's kind of a big fat liar. At one point, he pimps out his wife on a journey to save his own neck, right? And, but God chooses him. Like grace upon grace, God reaches out and chooses this guy and makes the amazing covenant with him to make him famous throughout all of history and make him into a great nation and that he would bless the whole world through this guy and his family. And it starts with a son. It starts with Isaac. And, and as we tell the story of God and as we form people in story and we go to the next story and we look at like, okay, you won't even believe what happens next. God calls Abraham to take Isaac up onto a mountain and sacrifice him. And if you're a dad or your mom, and you just that story is horrifying. I, I'm an only son. I only have a, one son, two daughters. And that story wrecks me every time. But that's what Abraham does. And in that story, God, when he stops Abraham's hand, coming down with the knife, you can just see it in slow-mo, just coming down to sacrifice his son, already tied up on the wood. God says, stop, do not harm your son. Now I know... Now I know you love me the most. You did not withhold from me the thing you loved the most in, the, in this world. In other words, you, were, you loved me more, God says. Like, wow. Like, really? You, Abraham loved God more than that first son that was the hinge pin for the whole nation and then the, the blessing ultimately we know now in Christ being real God says now I know you love me more you did not withhold even this from me and let me ask you what do you love the most in your life be honest what do you love the most do you love your status as a pastor elder Sunday school leader dad mom do you love your current house? Like, I really love my house, man. I can remember back in Chicago when God moved us to Tacoma. I can remember, it was probably a year and a half before he even moved us. He was preparing my heart, my wife's heart for moving to plant. We had it made back there. And we had the nicest house like anybody in our family had ever had. Like, we'd arrived, baby. Of course, we were working for a mega church, and churches pay well, yeah. So... And I remember the Spirit of God saying to me, what if I call you to sell this house? And I remember weeping because in my heart I was like, I don't want to sell this house. This is an awesome freaking house. Do you love your kids more than you love God? How many of your folks love their kids more than they love the mission that Christ died to send us on? It's evident. You can see it. You can see the little idols that are running around the house and how they're treated by the parents in all the soccer games and the private school. And I'm not against any of this, okay, but it's just how you, where your heart lands on it. 
and they got to be at every camp, and they got to be at summer camp for both soccer and for band, and they got to be at this and that and this, and they got to have this for their education and that. Or, or like we just had a couple in our community recently talking again about their kids, the pressure they put on their kids to do well and excel so they could get into the right university. And then once they got to the right universities, the pressure that they, loving Christian parents that they were, were putting on their kids, they loved their kids and the way their kids made them appear in their parenting more than they loved God and the mission. God says to Abraham, now I know you love me more. We're going to have to call idols idols. And in, 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 in the suburbs, it's maybe, I don't know, it's the same everywhere. It's maybe even worse here. But people love them, them houses. And they love them cars and them flat screens and those kids and those soccer games and their big church buildings. And go down the list. And none of it's bad until it takes our heart. Until those good things become the ultimate thing, like Tim Keller says. None of that's bad. But we know, heart of hearts, we know ourselves and we know lots of our people love that stuff way more than they love the mission. Because all, you, all you'd have to do is open up their day, their day timers or open up their calendars and you'd know. Look at, their, look at the ledger of how they spend their money. Look at how you spend yours. You'll know what you love the most. We're going to have to call idols idols and we're going to have to paint the gospel of God and Christ and all that he is and is doing over and over and, and, and we're just going to have to see Jesus get beautiful and make much of him over and over so that people will begin to go like, I can't believe I spent X amount of years chasing after the American nightmare of stuff and more when I could have, been, I could have, I could have had this role in the kingdom of God. I could, sweeping out the king, the corner of this kingdom is more than I deserve, Lord, whatever you'd have for me. What you love the most. Now there's two sides of that coin in that story. I, I, that's why I love this story. He, also, he says that, God says that to Abraham, but then he goes on to say, now I know that you fear me. <laughs> what you love the most, but now I know that you fear me. Well, we know that the fear of the Lord is not this trembling fear, in Christ, it's, it's, it's reverence, it's awe, it's the most glory, it's the most weighty thing in our life is, is God. When God says, now I know you fear me, he's, he, he's telling Abraham, I know where your heart's at. See, whatever you fear the most will, have the, will be the governing power of your life. If you fear your parents' approval or not getting it because you're out planting church and it's, you're not running that money that big, that's our term in 829. How many are you running on Sunday? And if you fear approval for how many you're running or your supporters back home or wherever and you don't know how to tell them that you're actually living life on mission with people and not that many show up on Sunday but all week long people are coming to know Jesus and what he's like and put their faith and hope and trust in him. If you fear that the most, then you won't, see, you'll, you'll go back to counting the three Bs, budgets and buildings, you know. If you fear most losing your position in the church because you know if you go after the idols, out you go. If you fear your wife's approval, if you fear your husband's approval, now I know that you fear me. Whatever you fear the most will be the governing power of your life. 
I, w- I don't know if it's even right to think this. I'd like to fear the most that I'm going to stand before the throne someday. And you know when it says in Scripture, Jesus says, you can do everything you've seen me do and even greater things. Like what are the greater things, Jesus? You really rocked it when you were here. I'm hoping to avoid that cross part of your life, but pretty much everything before and after looks really good to me and powerful. Jesus says you get to do all of that and even more greater things. I, I don't want to stand there and go like, oh, I could have done that? What, what she just said? I, I would have done that. Like, I could have made disciples in that nation. I mean, you would have changed a whole city through our family if we'd have lived this Believe that? I, I, mean, I don't know if that's even good theology. <laughs> I want to fear the most that I actually, that God is glorious and he's the one I, who I have his approval and so therefore that's the motivator of my life. Oh, I'm accepted, I'm good. If we never make another disciple, just as good. If our church never gets beyond 20 people, I'm just as accepted. We're gonna keep on trying to make disciples here. What do you fear the most? Next thing is you motivate people in what they love, okay, what they love. The next thing is what you believe. And we break belief down this way. Belief, we believe, what do you believe in your head? What do you believe in your heart? And what do you believe with your hands? It's old school, head, heart, hands. It's part of making disciples. It's got to be holistic. We'll talk about that in that last session. So what they believe is going to be a constant motivator for them. What do they believe? Let's start with what you believe in your head. Do your folks, do you know, do your people know, are they motivated by a belief in their head of the power and the purpose of the gospel? Do they know that the gospel is powerful to save? They've saved them from the penalty. It's saving them right now, sanctifying them, and it's going to save them from all the presence of sin. Do they know that? Do they know they have a huge purpose for their life and there's no plan B? I'm not going to teach the whole thing again, but do your people know a really big, fully orbed power and purpose of the gospel? They need to, or they'll think it's all about them, or they'll flip to the other side and they'll just get busy without power and they'll hate their life. And the world watches that, by the way. That busy, restorative life of doing lots of church stuff and missional-looking stuff without a power that's beyond us, the world watches that and goes, no thanks. I already have that without the guilt. I'm already working my guts out for I don't know what. Without the guilt, you're doing it with a lot of shame and guilt. I'll just keep what I got. Okay? So what they believe in their head. Do they believe the gospel? Okay? Do they believe their identity in Christ? We form our communities around this in everything we do over and over from day one to day when Jesus gets back. Their identity in Christ. Who you are will lead to what you do. If you want to motivate people out on the mission of making disciples who make disciples with all of their life, they're going to actually have to believe they've become a new creation in Christ. Now how we articulate it, how God has led us to articulate it, is there's four, sort of four filters we say this is our identity family of God we're missionaries we're family we're missionaries we're servants we're learners and that's the word we use for disciple because in our context disciple carried with it some kind of weird kind of cultic leftover residual in Tacoma so we we say learner a person who's taking responsibility for their own learning and the learning of others 
Okay, so we, we, this rolls out of our mouth all day, every day. We're a family of missionary servants. That's who we are, who are and are making disciples. We're a family of missionary servants who are making disciples. Now, where we get that, just in case you want to know, it's, it comes from this thing called the Trinity. Okay, if we all have the same father church, we're sons and daughters of the same dad, what does that make us? Family. If, if, if the son is our king, he's Lord over all. It's his kingdom, his church. That makes us his servants. The two basic requirements for a kingdom to exist. A king, servants. And then who in the Trinity, Father, Son, who is the sending agent of Christ? Who sent Christ? And now who is the sending agent of the church? The Spirit. See, if we have the Holy Spirit, we are missionary people. We are. We're a family of missionary servants if we're, if we're in Christ. That's why when you baptize people, did you ever wonder why they baptized people into the name of, that's an identity statement, then baptizing them, making disciples, baptizing them into the name of the Father so they know they're my family, that they're a family, they're a chosen family, a set-apart family, in the Son, they're to be servants because he's the king and he actually came as a servant. And the Holy Spirit. Go, therefore, and make. See, when you baptize people, that's what you're doing, is you're baptizing them into a new identity. They come up out of the water new, as it were. That's what it means to be a disciple. Do your people believe their identity? See, if you are a missionary, then you go and you seek, (laughs) you know? If you're a family, you live a certain way. People say, like, well, how do you guys in Soma live this way? And your lives are sort of all intertwined and you're sharing your stuff and you're doing this and you're doing that. Well, what is, what is a good family? If we're family, what does life look like? Does it look like we sit in silence once a week for an hour and a half in rows? Does it look like, no, on top of that, we get together and study that same message over some pie once a week, but I don't really have any other connection to you all week, that would be a crappy family. See, our identity, it answers it, answers it all. What would a family of missionary servants who are disciples and are making disciples, what would they look like? You're going to have to motivate your people. What do they know? What do they know in their head? And do they know then that the mission is to make disciples? I, I swear, I think we have done a really good job. I know I did for years. That I think what we taught people, like what, the, you know, what they knew in their head the mission was, was come to church on Sunday. Get people to church on Sunday. So the professional can tell them what's what. And then eventually, eventually, I guess they'll bring more people here. I, I, I don't know what's the ultimate goal here. Like, yes, the average person doesn't know that the ultimate goal is that the world would be full of disciples so the world would be full of Jesus. That was the plan from garden forward, before the garden. The average person thinks, I, I don't know, I guess I'm supposed to get people to church and try to sin less, I, right? I don't, so, because I don't want to burn in hell. Like, in fact, I should probably tell people about hell a lot, you know? I mean, I could go right now, seriously, we could go out right now to a pub at lunch, and I'll I'll put money in the table. I'll talk to at least five people and pray in the sinner's prayer because they're not going to want to burn in hell. Is that the ultimate goal? Or is it that they would be full of the Spirit of God and they would live out the purpose that God created them for? Do people know that making disciples who make disciples is what they were saved for? They're going to need to know that. That brings implication. 
wow, if that's what I was saved and created and saved for, why am I spending 99% of my time and life and resources doing that? So what they know in their head, what they believe in their head, I'm sorry, what they believe in their head. Now, what they believe in their heart is probably even more important. Like, are they believing the gospel at a heart level? Do they have peace? Are they leaning into grace? Right? Do you believe, like if we're talking about motivating people with the gospel for mission, do you believe that you must make disciples or be missional to have God's love and acceptance and approval? Because we started, we started doing that. Our people, seriously, they would hang their heads around us like, well, what's up? Well, you know, I don't think our mission community is doing very good. And subtly, they, they, they knew they, they hadn't earned our approval and they probably in their hearts weren't believing that they actually had earned they, yeah, see, we're not doing very good at earning God's approval because we're just not that missional. I'm still kind of sucked into, you know, CSI reruns and soccer and too much. I suppose I'm not pleasing God enough, you know. Do they believe the truth of the gospel? See, the legalist says you should not and you should. That's a legalist. That's how we motivate as a legalist. You should not and you should like, you should not sin. You should do this. Okay? The gospel says you need not do that, but you need. You, you need not do that, but you need. So the legalists would say you need to get on mission. The gospel says you needn't get on mission. You're already loved in acceptance. But you need to live a life fulfilling God's purposes on mission because that's how you're going to come to know him. That's how God's going to shape and mold you more into Christ. Just sitting in a classroom is not going to get that done. So you don't need to be on mission to, to please him. You already have that in Christ. But you need to be on his mission because that's how he's going to conform you. You see? A legalist says you shouldn't steal you should work hard for what you need. The gospel says you need not steal to get what you need because you have a good father that can provide everything you need if you'll just put your trust in him. So what people believe in their heart, if they're not believing the gospel and they're believing they need to do something to earn it, man, legalism's gonna run out. You can, you can motivate for a while with a stick, but it's gonna, it's gonna wear out. People are gonna leave. We're not going to do it. And it won't be attractive to the world. Bro, I'm going to be honest, man. There's um, some parallels in there that are just really convicting to me. This, the, the legalist uh, versus what the gospel says. And it ultimately is an identity issue, isn't it? Like, yeah. I've, I've served in churches. I've led teams from this, this point of power that this legalist, like you have to do that, you have to do it this way. But it doesn't ever evoke heart change. You're just manipulating until that wears out. And then you got to find another way to manipulate. Yeah. And so burnout comes from this legalism way. Like if we are not gospelly motivated, we're going to burn out. It's just a matter of time, right? And doesn't it sound so like, oh, it sounds right and, and fair and reasonable yeah. on the legalist side? Like, yeah. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. No, you needn't do that. Oh, that's bad. That's good yeah, news. That's, that but is when good you news. say like, well, you shouldn't steal. Well, that's true. Yeah. No, you need not because you've got a good father who owns it all, right? You know, so yeah. it's, it's, see how seductive it is? And, yeah. And, and so you talk about motivating other people's hearts. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, knowing we are loved, man, with a gospel motivation, that's the way that you avoid. It's big. It's very big. So there's a lot more to go with that. 
Okay. Um, but that's as far as we can go today. Okay. Sure. So we're about at the halfway point. That works out perfectly. So we're going to make this into a two-parter. Cool. Okay? Let's do it. So we'll pick, yeah, we'll pick that up again next week. Yep. At point three, <laughs> right in the and, middle, and, and and it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be good. And I um, again, I'm throwing pretty hard. So, <laughs> but we still have the big three uh, for this week based yeah. off, off this week. Heck so let's yeah, there's get a to lot that. to chew on there. You can get a free download of the big three by going to one two three lifeschool dot com forward slash episode one seventy five right now. Caesar, what are the big three for this week? Okay, wow, it's it's that was thick. That yeah, was a lot of super stuff. Thick. So. One, um, what you love will determine your true motivations in life. Hmm. What you love will determine your motivations. What we believe in our heads, that's knowledge and past learnings, sure. informs what we believe in our hearts. And and so does our overall understanding of the gospel and our true identity. Hmm. You were just saying that. Yep. So I just want to remind us, we are a family of missionary servants sent his disciples who make disciples. That's our identity. Hmm. Gospel motivation starts with believing that this is true of you in Christ. Yeah, that's beautiful, dude. That's that's our identity. We got to believe that. So, and What and, is crazy is though, even though that is our identity, the amount of time that I feel like you got to snap back to that because yeah. you just naturally kind of go the other direction. I can't direction. hear it enough. Yeah. yeah. And it's part of rightly motivating people. They got to believe that's true of them. Yeah. Right? And, and they got to love and understand that. Okay, second... Um, what might you be missing because of a lack of gospel motivation? Like, mm. ask yourself that. Like, what might I be missing because I'm I'm not motivated by the gospel or I'm not motivating other people? Jesus said, truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing hmm. and they will do even greater things than these. That's from John 14. So, that's so like, what might you be missing? What are the greater things God is wanting to do in your heart, mm-hmm. your life and family, your community and church? You are perfectly loved by the Father, and you have nothing to fear. So, mm-hmm. like, what does he want you to do? Like, you get to go for it. Ask God to start to change the motivations of your life. Mm-hmm. You can trust him. Yeah, he's worth trusting for sure. All right, man, number three. Okay. Um, what do you love the most? Ask yourself that. Your life, career, leisure, family, where you live, your location. Mm-hmm. All these good things may be keeping you from the life and mission that God's called you to. Don't wait for the someday or the when we finish this day hmm. to let the gospel change your affection, motivation, and sometimes your location. Hmm. Living God's life and plan with God's power, the Holy Spirit, will never lack, and it'll be a thrill ride. Yeah. And we're going to talk next week a lot more about the role of the Holy Spirit in this. Hmm. I've been convicted by that too. <laughs> Kathleen and I have talked a little bit about how much we just love this location and if God ever called us out of here. Maybe there's a Maybe there's a pruning that that he'll be doing at some point. Yeah, but maybe or maybe not, right? Yeah. But what could you be missing out on? That was, yeah. So, yeah. so I just want to say, it can be hard to rightly motivate people on mission. We all have these well-worn grooves and patterns mm-hmm. and language that we've kind of picked up along the way in a church that ends up being more law than grace. We don't mean it to be, but it is. Hmm. And, 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 and maybe we're motivating with more hard work than gospel freedom. Okay, mm. so to grow in your understanding of that and gospel fluency and learn the language of the gospel, I want to again extend an invitation to a, a, a free training and a webinar that I'm going to be uh, offering on this. It's called the Gospel in Everyday Life. So mm. I'm going to just 
you know, I'm going to throw the links uh, on the big three page and I'll throw them on the uh, show notes. And I just want to invite you. Uh, there'll be several times. So hopefully one will fit for you. And I just want to invite you to come and it's free and, and it's about an hour. And I don't know of anything that can change your life as much as in that hour. <laughs> okay. Mm. So anyway, I appreciate you taking the time to really lay out some of this gospel motivation. It's important to hear this from a guy in ministry. And I'm thinking also, not just motivation and work, but motivation and parenting and, and marriage and neighborhood and you're, you're across nailing the board. It. You're nailing it right there, brother. If you want a copy of this week's Big Three download, you can get that by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 175. Uh, and if you want to join deeper conversation, our Facebook group is always going strong. Just go to Facebook, up in the search bar, type in Life School Podcast. We'll approve you to the group. Caesar and I are on there bantering back and forth. And there's a good community throwing banter. Bantering. So join us there. Uh, you get some FaceTime with us on that. Next week, what we're going to do is we're going to pick up this teaching on gospel motivation. Uh, and we're going to talk about how the gospel not just reorients, but radically reorients our lives around discipleship and mission. And I would suggest anybody that's leading others, either on a staff or in a community group, that you listen in because you're not going to want to miss where this goes next. Right? Awesome. Join us for that. Thanks for being with us today. For more information, you can visit 123lifeschool.com forward slash podcast. Life school.